0: Hello, this is Diksha from newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Sunday, the 4th of July. India reported a little over 43,000 new cases of COVID-19 and over 950 deaths in the last 24 hours. The total COVID tally has crossed 3.05 crore, while the death toll now stands at over 4 lakh. These official figures, however, are widely believed to be undercounts. Kerala continued to report the highest number of COVID cases in the country, with over 12,000 cases in the last 24 hours. Over 63 lakh COVID vaccine doses were administered in the last 24 hours, taking the total number of doses administered in the country so far to over 35 crore. The Maharashtra government said it administered over 8 lakh COVID vaccine doses till 9pm on Saturday, adding that this was the highest single-day coverage for the state so far. Meanwhile, after giving 1.6 lakh doses on Saturday, the Delhi government said it was left with only two days' worth of vaccine stock. Mahindra Agarwal, a scientist who is a part of the government's panel tasked with the modelling of infections, has cautioned that a possible third wave of COVID-19 can hit its peak between October and November if citizens fail to follow COVID-appropriate behaviour. He added, however, that India may record half the daily cases reported during the second surge. With daily cases on the decline, states have started easing restrictions in a phased manner, with Karnataka announcing the lifting of weekend curfew starting tomorrow. The night curfew, however, will continue to be in place from 9pm to 5am across the state. While there is a downward trend in fresh COVID cases, reports of Delta Plus variant being detected in at least 12 states have led to fresh concerns among health officials. Globally, COVID 19 has infected over 183.4 million people so far, claiming the lives of more than 3.96 million. The director of the World Health Organization, Tedros Adenom, said that the sharing of vaccines among countries was being outpaced by the new COVID 19 variants, with the Delta variant now present in at least 98 countries. Thousands of Brazilians took to the streets once again on Saturday morning, demanding the removal of the country's president, Jair Bolsonaro who is being blamed for more than half a million coronavirus deaths in the country. The demand for Bolsonaro's impeachment intensified after allegations that members of his government wanted to illegally profit from the purchase of COVID vaccines from Indian vaccine maker Bharat Biotech. On Friday, a Supreme Court judge in Brazil opened a criminal investigation into Bolsonaro's response to allegations of possible corruption in the purchase of 20 million doses of Bharat Biotech's Covaxin. Our story of the week this time is the political and media furor over the conversion of a Kashmiri Sikh woman. We shall come back to this later in the episode. The over 59,000 crore Rafale fighter jet deal is in the eye of a political storm once again after reports that a French judge has been asked to investigate the deal on suspicions of corruption. The investigation into the 2016 deal for the sale of 36 fighter jets by France's Dassault Aviation to India was formally opened on June 14, French investigative journalism website Mediapart reported on Friday. It reported that the judge will lead a highly sensitive judicial probe into alleged corruption and favoritism in the deal and look into questions surrounding the actions of former French President Francois Hollande. France's National Financial Prosecutor's Office, which the judge is a part of, was created in December 2013 to track down serious economic and financial crimes. Amid the reports of the investigation being opened up in France, the Congress party on Saturday demanded a joint parliamentary committee investigation into the Rafale deal. The Congress said in a statement, and I quote, the scandalous expose of the Rafale scam involving massive corruption, treason and loss to public exchequer has finally been uncovered and laid bare." End quote. The investigation in France comes three months after Mediapart reported that the country's financial prosecutor, PNF, decided not to pursue an anti-corruption investigation into the Rafale deal, citing the interests of France. In a three-part series of reports in April, Mediapart had claimed that an Indian middleman Sushane Gupta was allegedly secretly paid millions of euros by Dasso Aviation and another French firm Thales to influence the Rafale deal. Gupta is also an accused in the Augusta Westland helicopter scam in India. For a bit of background on the deal, In April 2015, scrapping the Manmohan Singh government's deal for 126 Rafale jets, Narendra Modi announced a new agreement to buy 36 jets in flyaway condition from Dassault. The deal was soon muddled in allegations of corruption and procedural improprieties, first because it apparently cost more than the original deal for 126 jets and second It seemed to favour India's private defence companies, particularly Anil Ambani's Reliance Aerostructure, over the public sector. The deal was eventually challenged in the Supreme Court of India, which controversially gave the Modi government a clean chit in 2019. And listeners, if you were paying attention, this 2019 judgment had prompted several prominent news editors, anchors, columns and TV talking heads to proclaim that the Rafale deal was clean as a whistle. Some of them, in fact, had been insisting this even before the court's ruling. In my report on Newslaundry.com in April, I spoke to some of them to know if their opinions about the deal had changed after the new revolutions made by MediaPart. What did they have to say? Columnist Tavleen Singh, for instance, maintained that the Rafale deal involved no corruption at all. To know what the others said, go to Newslaundry.com and read the report titled, Indian media figures gave a clean chit to the Rafale deal. What do they say about the new graft revelations? The Jammu and Kashmir police yesterday served a show cause notice to news platform The Wire, asking its editor in chief to explain in a week's time why action should not be taken against the platform for allegedly misrepresenting facts and what the police described as circulating concocted stories. The two stories in question were published by The Wire in June. The first report, dated June 28, was headlined. They have destroyed my family, JNK cop, wife and daughter gunned down by militants in Pulwama. The report stated that two militants had fired at Special Police Officer Fayaz Ahmad Bhatt and his family the previous day. The Union Territory's Inspector General of Police, Vijay Kumar, took exception to a line in the article which read, In recent times, many Special Police officers have resigned from service after facing threats from the militants, while some have even joined the ranks of the militancy. The second article disputed by the police was published on June 7. It was headlined, Genuine Encounter or Custodial Killing? What Really Happened to Mohammed Amin Malik at Tral SOG Camp? Referring to the reports, the police's notice to the wire said and I quote, Such news articles have caused fear and alarm among the people at large and tend to malign the image and demoralise the police and security forces working in the region, unquote. The Wire's founding editor, Siddharth Vardarajan, told Scroll.in that the news organization had not received a notice yet and that the said notice showed what a poor understanding the Jammu and Kashmir police have of the constitution and the functioning of a free press. Coming back to our story of the week. On Monday, Sikh leaders from outside Jammu and Kashmir arrived to the valley to protest against what they called forced conversions and marriages of girls from their community. Mainstream media channels also told us on Prime Time how young Sikh girls were being forcefully converted to Islam by older Muslim men in Jammu and Kashmir. So, what prompted this? The protests in the valley were led by Punjab opposition party Shiromani Akali Dal's leader Manjinder Singh Sirsa. He alleged that 18-year-old Sikh woman Manmeet Kaur was kidnapped at gunpoint, forcibly converted and wedded to an elderly Muslim man named Shahid Nazir Bhatt. He also claimed that there had been four such cases out of which two were reported from Jammu. The Akali Dal leader also demanded that the women be returned to their families. While Sirsa claimed that there had been four such cases, the police sources have said that they have knowledge of only one such recent case. Sirsa's claim that the man who married Manmeet was elderly also contrasted with police information that the man, Shahid Nazir Bhat, is 29 years old. Besides, Contrary to the allegations that the woman was married forcibly, she herself recorded a statement before the local magistrate that she is 19 years old and married and converted out of her own free will. Nazir Bhatt, however, was arrested in the case last week and Manmeet was married off by her family to a man from the Sikh community. Another case that has been dragged into the conversion controversy is that of a Sikh woman called Danmeet who married a Muslim man in 2014. Dhanmeeth has rejected allegations that she was held at gunpoint and forcibly converted to Islam before her wedding. She is currently living with her in laws. Despite the women saying that they married and converted willingly, Sikh political leaders from outside the Union Territory claimed that these alleged forceful conversions were a matter of concern and even met the Lieutenant Governor of Jammu and Kashmir over the issue. They also sought time from Home Minister Amit Shah to discuss the issue. Local Sikh leaders, meanwhile, warned against people from outside exploiting the situation for their political interests. Local leader Jagmohan Rena, however, also demanded the implementation of the Intercaste Marriage Act and the enactment of an anti-conversion law in Jammu and Kashmir. What do you think the media was doing all this while? In this week's episode of TV Nuisance, News Laundry's Manisha Pandey looked at just that. Besides the usual bigotry and hatred, stars of prime-time news channels got basic facts wrong like the woman's age. Republic TV's Arnab Goswami, for instance, claimed that Manmeet Kor is not an adult but a minor. He went so far as to claim that the man who married her was 60 years old, while in reality, he is 29. Z News's Aman Chopra, meanwhile, unsurprisingly claimed that this issue involved terrorism. You can catch the episode of Nuisance on newslaundry.com and our YouTube channel. And not just this week. Multiple mainstream news channels spent yet another week last month to talk about a religious conversion racket being run by Muslims in Delhi. They declared that more than 1,000 people had fallen prey to this racket. They even said that this racket was funded by Pakistan's intelligence agency ISI. While these channels reported on this for a whole week by adding new conspiracy angles each day without bothering to verify facts, what did we here at News Laundry do? Well, our reporter Akantra Kumar did two detailed ground reports about this, distilling facts from fiction. What her reports revealed was quite different from what some news channels claimed all week. You can read them on newslaundry.com. The first one is titled, The Curious Case of 1000 Conversions – Who is Umar Gautam? And the second one is headlined, How did Mannu Yadav and Aditya Gupta convert to Islam? And now listeners, I'm sure you see the difference between reportage by a section of the mainstream media and independent media houses like News Laundry. i leave it up to you on the kind of news you prefer. And if you like what we do, I urge you to support us by going to our website newslaundry.com and hitting that subscribe button on the top right corner. Lowest subscription starts at just 300 rupees a month. We can only continue to do the work we do with your support. As we are a 100% advertisement free platform. The Bharatiya Janata Party secured 67 of 75 seats in the election for district panchayat posts in Uttar Pradesh. The Akhilesh Yadav led Samajwadi Party backed just 5 seats, with Yadav alleging that BJP used force to stop people from voting. The Rashtriya Lok Dal, Jansatta Dal, and an independent candidate won 1 seat each in the polls held yesterday. Mayavati's Bahujan Samaj Party boycotted the polls claiming that they will not be held in a transparent manner. SP's Akhilesh Yadav alleged that the Safran party made a mockery of all democratic norms during the elections, adding that a memorandum demanding free and fair polls was given to the state election commission, but no action was taken. The local body elections assume importance as they took place in the run-up to next year's assembly elections in Uttar Pradesh. At least 29 people died and 50 were injured in southern Philippines when a military aircraft carrying troops crashed and burst into flames after missing the runway. The Air Force plane, with 92 people on board, crashed today in the Sulu province. The country's defence minister said that 17 bodies had been recovered and 50 injured had been rescued so far. The country's military chief said that the plane had missed the runway trying to regain power, adding that rescue operations were underway. An Air Force spokesman said that the cause of the crash would be investigated. The Philippines Armed Forces have had a dodgy air safety record. Last month, a Black Hawk helicopter crashed during a training mission, killing six people. That's all the news we have for you today. Hold on during these distressing times. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry.